0: Hello Stone Apes and others who are curious about the healing powers of psychedelic medicines. Welcome to the Stone Ape Reports. I'm your host, Stuart Preston. Each episode, I talk to another Stone Ape, somebody who has experienced the transformational powers of psychedelics. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with my good friend, Michael. Michael shared his story of opening up his awareness with mescaline, working through fear in a meaningful purge with ayahuasca. So please enjoy this episode with Michael. All right, Michael. Well, thank you so much for joining me here on the Stoned Ape Reports. So I'm excited to talk to you. I know uh, anybody who's listened to maybe your, other, your personal podcast that you've got going may know that you and I are friends. You know, We've met in some unique circumstances and really formed a r- really good bond. So it's, it means a lot to me to to have you here on the podcast and share your story. So welcome, and I look forward to talking to you.
1: Well, thanks, Stuart. Um, I'm honored to appear on your show. Yes, you you appeared on my podcast as well. And we talked about some pretty heavy things. So
0: we did. More we than willing
1: to return the favor here and, and tell you some stories about some journeys that I've been on in my life and see how it might be able to help you, your audience, as it helped me.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So let's let's do that then. So obviously, you know, what we talk about is is how psychedelics and theogens have helped us in life. So, you know, why don't you just you know, tell your story, your stories. You know, of what some things were going on in your life that, that led you to these medicines and, and how the medicines helped.
1: Sure, tracking back through my story to talk on your podcast it's actually been kind of fun to like, oh I remember that time. Remember, yeah, yeah. I remember that time. But I guess the most impactful thing that, that keeps coming to mind is when I was fourteen, turning fifteen, right around that time, I was going through kind of an awakening in my in my life. At the time, you know, just like things weren't seeming the same, you know, that kind of a growth thing you do from like adolescent to adult or whatever, where you're like, yeah, I was, I was like questioning everything in my life, you know, what's real, what isn't real. And around that time, you know, I was smoking pot. I was, you know, doing whatever drugs. I didn't touch any needles or do any coke or anything that could be addicting. I stayed away from that, mainly recreational. Right. Then mescaline came around, and we did a hit here and there and got the trip, the buzz feel from it, you know, not not buzz as far as high, like weed, as you know, but, you know, that vibration, you know, but Mm -hmm. we were using it recreationally, so I was like, eh, well, you know, <laughs> what the hell is that? You know? Yeah, you know, it's just like okay, that kind of was like going through a car wash or something. That was kind of weird and I, uh, uncomfortable. I was kind of looking to maybe hallucinate or something, but right. But then you know, uh, kids being kids, this new stronger twenty-four-hour yellow sunshine mescaline hmm. around, and uh, well, that last one didn't work. Let's get three. <laughs> wow. So we each got three, and we went to see the movie Creep Show, which is a spooky, scary flick about, you know, people getting buried with hmm. their heads above the water in the sand, and <laughs> the waves coming in at night, and being on three hits of mescaline, that wasn't fun. Yeah. But it, it kind of shook my reality, I found. I was like... I was torn because I knew what I see, was seeing on the screen wasn't reality, but part of me was saying it was, and I should be scared out of my wits over it. And I was like, "Wait a minute!" So I'm torn inside, and I'm like having this wrestling match back and forth, like, "All right, is somebody really drowning?" On the screen? <laughs> you know, so I'm like going through this wrestling match. Yeah. But what that did, and the more important part about what I said about that wrestling match is that wrestling match didn't stop there. It lasted, I'm not kidding, for a year because with those three hits of mescaline, I cracked open something like some kind of new level of awareness. I, I know it now as some higher state of consciousness where I could witness things without emotion, so to speak, not be connected to it and get information from it. And literally, Stuart, for the next year, I felt like every song on the radio, especially for the first month. I'll just focus on the first month. The days after any song that came on the radio, what was being sung on the radio was I felt was being sung directly to me as a message of some corrective action in my life that I needed to take. Hmm. I mean, it was like, this is what's going on in your life. And you should, you shouldn't, you know, and it wasn't like an order, like you shouldn't, shouldn't, it wasn't mean it was just like this awareness of like, Oh, That's something I shouldn't be doing. You know, that's, you know, that goes against who I am. So then came the shedding process, you know, and this lasted a solid three or four months and really throughout an entire year of just like examining things within me that weren't sitting right with me like a relationship i had with somebody that every time i would talk to them i would leave with some kind of icky feeling or something i knew i had to go back and figure out what that was whether it be within me or deal with whatever issue it was because i felt i was starting i i realized a stronger sense of myself i realized i was putting up with a lot of stuff you know from people you know, dealing with difficult situations for people in an unhealthy fashion, taking on too much weight. So it just went to shedding of like these things that didn't serve me anymore, it felt. Now, it just, it just these things just kept falling away for like a year. It was, it was mind-blowing, Stuart. And it was
0: actual shedding. It wasn't just thinking to yourself, oh, I should get rid of this. You were actually getting rid of them.
1: I was throwing things in my bedroom in the garbage. That I've been wow. holding on to for years because, oh, I remember that reminded me, oh my God, I remember that was a horrible thing. No wonder I was, no wonder I was holding on to that object. And then mm. I cry and then I just cry and cry and cry over this. And then I just threw it away. It's like, you don't serve me anymore. And I just kept mm. up shedding these things. That started fourteen fifteen, And that was like my first I mean, like I said, and that was a year, and I'm sure that kept impacting me forever because the lessons learned in that initial impact, you know, the realizations of all the negative patterns I was following and the the things I was allowing the people to do to me, you know, just not, not because they were malicious, although some were, you know, there are some mean people in this world, but just the everyday, you know, healthy boundaries that you allow people to allow to slip and all of a sudden, you know, there isn't one you know, 're doing all their chores or, or whatever mm. you know, mm-hmm. and it 's like I need to like recenter myself, so really, I, I went through life, and you know unfortunately, for me you know i didn 't learn all the lessons of life. I married too young, we had a couple kids, you know we had a great great marriage for the longest time, and just we were too young, we grew apart, you know, so we were unhappy, and that 's when I picked up drinking really heavily. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, you know, I had been drinking sociably, you know, to fit in and all that and life of the party and all that. But when I started to realize I was unhappy in the marriage, and this was late, you know, this it was a 16-year marriage, I realized I was now, you know, and, and, and after that, I realized I was leaning a bit too much on the booze, you know. Mm-hmm. It was allowing me to just numb what I was feeling instead of actually feeling it. So it was around that time I was about 38, and although this isn't directly related to a trip, so to speak, this is directly related to a trip because the same mechanism was pulled. I was experiencing a tremendous amount of fear in my marriage about thinking about breaking up and having two kids, and I was just overwhelmed with fear. And I was just drowning in my fear. And I remember when I was on that original LSD trip and subsequent like crystal tea trips and all, it kept pointing out my fear as my main blocker. So me, and this is a please don't try this at home example of trying to do it without meds. I'm like, I'm going to tackle my fear. I had, been scuba, I had already taken scuba diving lessons. On my fifth dive, I went to 180 feet deep. I was petrified at the dark, by the way, and confined spaces, petrified, absolutely petrified. I went down to 90 feet of deep water in pitch black water with a group of dive masters and a bunch of other people doing a night dive checkout. Hmm. We turned our lights off for 15 minutes. I knew that was going to force me to face my fears. It's like, you do this, you're going to die. You know, you can't go all the way up, you'll get the bends. You know, you can't sink to the bottom because who knows, Some monster will get you, who knows. Hmm. But it's 140 feet deep. You don't want to descend quickly there. So I knew. And as soon as they, they like put the command to turn the lights off, I went to sheer panic. But in that cycle, it was the same exact cycle I find that I go through when I use hallucinogenics. And that is it forced me to look at what I was fearing in that moment. And when I did and I surrendered to that fear, and as we know it, go into the medicine, mm-hmm. I, this 43 degree Fahrenheit water turned warm i was calm minutes later the lights went on and i was no longer ever afraid of the dark or confined spaces wow i I, but you know take that now and say okay how does that apply to an lsd trip well i'll take you to what maybe three years ago two years ago now I was i 'm a business coach, so I talk to a lot of people throughout the day. a lot of my coaching I would say it's like seventy five percent therapy you know on superficial mm-hmm. business therapy you know you 'll be fine, I know it 's a tough change, but you 'll be okay, you know that type of therapy i mean it I mean that loosely
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: but just I do a lot of planning sessions, and this one woman I know on the way out, she just said. Hey, have you thought about Aya? And she wasn't even talking about me. And I've never heard (laughs) of Aya before. She wasn't talking to me. I've never heard of it. But but AWA went off in my head. And I'm like, and I didn't let it go. I'm like, whatever that is, I need to look that up. Because I know this woman, and she seems to have her act together. So I'm going to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. So I went home, and I looked up Aya. And it quickly came up as Ayahuasca. I quickly opened up Facebook right away typing in Aya popped up on my screen there's a local one happens to be within three weeks I signed up and went it happened that quickly from the mention of somebody to looking at it and it wasn't until after I signed up paid my money that I thought wow I better look into what this is (laughs) You (laughs) you know but remember I went to 90 feet of darkness to try to figure out my fear. So I just kind of jumped yeah. into things. Yes. And, I, and I knew, but, but, I, but I had something inside of me that said it was right. You know, it was like that medicine called me from the other side of the room in a conversation I wasn't even being involved with. And from what I know from my now six trips of or six journeys with Aya, it absolutely was calling to me. Mm. Because it had me do all those things as soon as I got home and it had me sign up for it without even knowing what it is. It had me look up the things that only concern me and that is what the heck does purging mean and what can I expect because it's, it sounds like it's going to be pretty ferocious. Right. You know, and then, and then I went and I was nervous, you know, kind of nervous. Like, you know, when I first get ready to to come onto your podcast here, like, you know, like those inner jitters, like you're going into an interview, but you know, you're not. Right, But I wasn't afraid, you know, Hmm. I wasn't afraid. I didn't feel like I was there under my complete power. I felt like I was following something there. And I went totally alone, didn't know anybody. You know, there were what, maybe 30 people in the circle, including facilitators, went up and then the serving started. You know, it, it took a tremendous amount of time. They had to go around and talk to all the people. And they went around and did the hop and they did the tobacco sauce, and they get not tobacco sauce tobacco sniff and all the things to get you ready and Then they serve the first drink, and they wait ninety minutes and you can go back up and I go back and I have you know my list of seventy five thousand intentions written down of what my demands from this ceremony be yeah. like, and how perfect this is going to be. Give me all the answers to every single thing I expect from it and <laughs> And it took probably about seven. No, I'm sorry. It took seven doses total, but it took until the fifth dose for me to, for the medicine to finally say, when are you going to put that list down and pay attention to me? Uh. Because I hadn't purged. You know, and everyone yeah, yeah. around me was like, you know what it's like. I mean, and everybody, I won't go into description. I don't need to tell people on your call, but, you know, all, you know, or on the podcast, you know, all these people are doing their purging and they're yawning and they're doing all the things that, you know, the medicine is supposed to be, but I knew I was blocked and, uh, yeah. and I could just feel it. I wasn't allowing something to happen. So I went up and talked to the facilitator and he said, you know, he just said, Hey, where is it? What does it feel like? Go into it. Tell me what the emotion is. And then he handed me a crystal, said, Hold it on the spot. You can take this back for the ceremony. And like magic, you know, this thing just washed through me and then out came the heads. It didn't hit me as hard as the others. And I've done some shrooms. I haven't done it medicinally. I've done it, you know, formerly recreationally. Mm-hmm. It did have that kind of low harmonic drag to me on the, on, the, on, the, on the way in. So I knew the medicine was there. And then my temperature started to change. I got cold and hot. So I'm like, okay, we're there. But I didn't, the first time I ever did it, I didn't know how to go into the medicine. You know, not really. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to dig in. And it took a while. It took till like 2, 2 a.m. And finally, I'm like, I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to not. You know, I came here for the reason, you know. So I'm walking outside and I'm, I'm not shouting, but in my head, I'm shouting at like, you know, the sky in anger yeah. for this medicine not working. And then all of a sudden in my stomach came this, I mean, I mean as deep down in the stomach as you can get, came this, like, not a sting. It just kind of like a hot burn. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, here we go. Wow. And I knew from you know what they tell you before the ceremony is to go right into that and don't run from that, go into it. So I'm like, okay. And as I'm focusing on what was maybe, you know, a golf ball size black dot visually Mm -hmm. in the gut, it started to expand. As I focus on it and breathe into it, like they say. My brain said, get that bucket ready. And now I'm out in the middle of nowhere, you know, in a desert. I'm outside. The, and then out it came. And I, I had, by the way, I had followed the protocol so strictly. I hadn't eaten for a week. I was limiting my drink, and I only drank sips until then. So I'm telling you, there was nothing for me to purge out right. that way. But lo and behold, there is. Apparently, in everybody, we carry a whole bunch of toxic things that we're not supposed to be carrying. And that's what I learned. And hmm. I won't get too descriptive, but yeah, yeah, there was what came out as soon as it came out. The message from Mother Ayahuasca that was very clear as soon as it came out, she said, get away from this thing immediately. Get rid of it. And I know they said they give it back to the earth. So I went under a tree, threw it, and I do kind of like a waving of your hand to cut the negative cord from your bucket. And then I went and wrote some bucket out, and I just, like, I ran from that thing. Hmm. It felt, I mean, it felt dark, you know. Even after the bush, the bush started to feel dark. And I was like, I need to get away from here. So whatever it was... Was something I needed to get out, and out it came. So,
0: and that's where you purged. You purged this thing. Yeah. And and Lamadre said, "Get away from it." Absolutely, move now, like
1: that. Yeah. Move now, and it was almost. I didn't even have a choice, Stuart. It was like, as soon as I threw it, I could feel almost like a dense energy moving towards me, and she was moving me as she was saying, move now as my legs were pivoting. And I pivoted, you know, along with her nudge and Mm -hmm. started to go wash this bucket out and get back under the protection of the, you know, the prayers and the good wishes of everybody in there away from whatever it was. I just got rid of Hmm. because I knew, I mean, you just, I just, and I say you like, you know, I, I just knew in me, whatever it was, I had to get, I had to move away. It was validated by uh, my mother.
0: Do by what do you by mother, do? You have any I'm idea not, what it was you got rid of?
1: Uh, that that wasn't clear the first night. That took, you know, because that was my first experience, and mm-hmm. and what I've learned is, I just go with the flow with the meds when they when I go now. I don't, you know, I'll go in with very loose intentions and like, please don't kill me, or you know, something like that. Real general ass, <laughs> <laughs> just don't let me die today. Yeah. Because I've learned the messages are just going to come, and I I just let them flow. And for me, it's about the integration time. I'll take Mm. them in. I'll let them flow. But I find when I try to align them with what I was intending, it takes away from the true flow of information coming from the mother for me. Yeah. So I set them loosely as like a general statement, and I just kind of leave those intentions behind and just – listen and just surrender into the medicine in a more clear stated mind instead of trying mm-hmm. to compare and contrast to what my recommendations were, right? Yeah. So that was the first night. And the second night um, wasn't, wasn't I, it, was, it was intense. I, it only took two doses for me to purge. I felt strongly that I knew the pathway to the medication. You know, I could just feel like the line if I could close my eyes, I could feel the line if you if you can understand the visual of the path to the medicine, and I could still feel her alive because I had just done a ceremony you know hours before
0: mm-hmm.
1: and had seven doses in total so i had i was I was ready to go, so you know, I stuck around, helped clean up, and you know clear the juju bad energy out of the whole dome, and we got set up, went up, got the first dose. Uh, and I, you know, and I asked him right off the bat. I don't want to do seven. Give me a banger, and he's like, "All right." So he gave me like this, you know, three-time dose, and and off I went. And I and I changed the order of my hopay because I realized doing hopay after I take the drink opens up my third third eye, which allows me, you know, to crack open my chakra and get full energy flow. So, you know, I, I'm starting to learn how to use the medications, right? You have all these rapes and hoppes available at these ceremonies. And, you know, and I have a whole suite of them. I'm actually looking at them right now. It's like multiple tubes of three different, four hapes, And I know how I feel with each one. I know the state of mind I'm able to achieve with each one. These medicines are just miraculous. So into this, into The second ceremony, it didn't, it took me, I just, I needed to go up because I thought I just needed a kicker. I feel I needed to talk to the facilitator more than I needed a second one. But after 90 minutes, went up for a quick poke. And as soon as I got back, you know, I got in a position that I see some of the, you know, the more veterans getting into kind of like a, you know, like a dog stance on all fours and just lean over the bucket and, and just out it came. I mean, and I hadn't eaten you know through the day all i had was water and and then again hmm. this one was more of a you found the path you know where these toxins are in your body and then all i'll say as far as anything is clarity is it was very clear that toxins were coming out i'll just i'll just say wow and it was and it was a flush you know i remember after after the second one i was in a different space Everything looked more clear. You know, it's like I could see the colors more vibrantly. They just jumped out at me more. Yeah. And when I was walking, the sand felt like it was holding me up. And what was different is I felt more, more of my own weight on my heels. And I thought to myself, I don't know the last time I ever walked so slowly that I could feel all my weight on a heel. And I thought,
0: hmm.
1: this is, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I'm just now starting to slow down And this medicines allowing me to see that the world goes much slower than what the speed I was moving.
0: Wow. And so when you came out of all this, I mean, that's a, an amazing experience and, and obviously La Madre helped you purge something very toxic, whether physically and or emotionally. Hmm. Um, how, how has that whole experience played in, in your everyday life away from that ceremony? Uh, it's changed
1: my life, frankly, literally I've I, since that. I've probably had three or four different times where I think I've totally reconfigured my whole life. Hmm. You know, I, you know, just anything that happens that I find, I'm just able to see I'm moving so slowly through life now. You know, the speed in which I feel that I'm supposed to be moving, like everybody's supposed to be moving. Just so slowly now, my awareness, when I look at things, I'm not reactive anymore. I don't feel like everything's a fire and I have to run and put it out. Yeah. Oh, no, the child needs a bottle. Well, sure. Okay. I don't have to dive out of the chair and run (laughs) i can actually walk there feel my weight on my heels you know stay centered and present i don't but i wasn't i was feeling very rushed so it's allowed me to slow down and and see things and what it allowed me to see is a lot of patterns that i had and like i told you from my first experience it showed me a lot of patterns as well the medicine has allowed me to have some love of awareness and higher state of consciousness, if you will, of what my impact of every word and every action that I take has on literally everybody around me. And I, and I just, when I started to feel that, when I started to feel that in my heart, I would walk around and I would say something and I would just try to watch. And of course, if you go into a room and say, I love you. I mean, you know what that does to a room, but Imagine when you're a little angry and you walk in a room and say, Holy crap. I mean, <laughs> you you literally change that whole room. You know, that's a minor uh-huh. example, but you know, my little pattern behaviors of how I react when this happens, those are becoming more clear. When I see them, I put some I put a little thought to it. I say, All right, I realize what I just did. Even if, you know, and I'll apologize on the spot. Look, I, I seem to get caught up in something you say. I got reactive. I apologize. And when I say that on the spot, first I feel it fixes what happened between them and I in live real time, so I don't have to circle back later if it's appropriate, right? I mean, it's not a case where you want to do that, but that kind of smooths it out. And if, and what it, and if, I, if it's not appropriate at the time, I take it back with me because I put my mind to it, and then I'll meditate on it and say, what caused you, Michael, to, to snap or to mm-hmm. snap at this person? it's like, oh, well, all right, I was having a bad Why were you having a bad day? And go back to it, it's like, all right. So you lost, actually, you lost your center of balance at 9 a.m. Because when you reacted, it was 3 a.m. You yeah. know? So it, it allowed me to start seeing that and start rolling some of those back and have less of a negative impact, you know, and hopefully more of a positive impact on people around me.
0: Yeah. When, uh, <clears throat> with, uh, with ayahuasca, Set and setting are pretty much part of the ceremony. Um, do you have any thoughts on w- the difference between a? And I'm not sure I even like the words "good" and "bad," but you know, no, a good no. trip and a bad trip. Um, even when you go into these ceremonies, how do you work on your own your own mindset? You know, going into this to to try to have the experience you want without trying to control it, right? Because one thing right. I can sense that you're saying is you got to let go. You got to let the whole thing flow. So you, you don't really walk in there. Although I have walk in there and, and say, here's how it's going to go. Here's what I need to learn. <laughs> right. right. Um, how do you, how do you uh, set that up? Like what, what advice would you give or what was your lesson on how to really open up and, and learn the lessons from, from the madre or from the, the medicine?
1: First, it's all about set and setting period. If that's not working don't do it. If it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel right, walk away from it. Now, I've, and you say good and bad, every experience, you get something out of it, whether it was a good experience or bad. Mm -hmm. I think to a certain degree, we have, we do have some control over that based on, you know, how the mood we go in with as well. Uh, But really, if you have a choice between A and B ceremony, look at the type of people that go there. Is there is there 40 people at that ceremony compared to one that has 10 and doesn't go over 10 and it's people that they, you know, they know a little bit more that you'll have a more intimate setting and you can get more personal or mm-hmm. are you looking for a 40 person setting where you can just, you know, not that you can't do an intimate setting, but bark like a dog and you don't have to <laughs> feel like, you know, you, you have to be embarrassed by your actions because, you know, it's people that, you know, But what I find in more of an open setting is you get more of a spill of everybody's energy and everybody's, and as you know, from the circle, you're all sharing the same experience. Uh And when you have 40 people, it changes the alchemy of the entire dome or room or wherever you're doing it. And you have to manage that energy along with everybody else. So I was a little overwhelmed with larger ceremonies. So I'm, preferring to stick and it's not that i won't go back to the large i'll just know what to expect and 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 go in with the set and setting mindset that this is what it is here's what i can expect and understand this and that's kind of a lesson right there that no matter what setting you go into the intentions are that it's going to be a good one but one person coming in there can actually create you know one person playing music off key or something in there can really get to you so bad, mm-hmm. you know, that can come. But it's really, I found, especially over the the last time that I went, I was able to pick something up that I thought would be a negative at the beginning and work with it before the ceremony began and just kind of let it go and just know that it's going to be there and I can't control it. And it, and it did help ultimately. So you can, in that regard, control the setting, you know, mm-hmm. because it's what you allow if you walk into a setting that you know you've heard is beautiful and it has the best feminine energy and it's exactly what you're looking for because everybody's so nice oh but they have that style quilt is the first thing that you see when you walk in (laughs) you're not gonna have a good day you know yeah there's a certain amount that you're in control of yourself
0: (laughs) yeah so even with a ceremony like that you still have a lot of control over how you experience that and setting
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know that's been proving out each time, and each time when I go in that mindset, I realize I can't control the container, I can't control the room, but I do realize that my energy has an influence on the room, and I'm allowed to protect myself. I can step out of the room, you know. I can mm-hmm. keep my head down, you know. I can do those things. So that's always there. You know, these ceremonies are always really safe in that regard. If you need your space, they don't bother you.
0: Nice, um, and all this amazing work that you've done. You know, here you are on, on a public podcast talking about it. But have you talked to friends and family and other acquaintances about this? And have you experienced any stigma as a result? Has anybody said, what are you crazy, Michael? Or, you know, you're going to go crazy and lose your mind or, <laughs> you know, anything, anything like that. Do you, have you experienced it? First of all, do you talk to other people about this openly in, in your normal, quote, normal life? And if so, have you experienced that stigma at all? The
1: <laughs> marijuana is a gateway drug stigma. Yeah, right. no, I yeah, I I know what you're asking, Stuart, and I, I, I'm careful about who I tell. You know, I'm in a corporate setting, so I you know mm-hmm. I don't wear it like a badge of honor at work. Yeah, well, people know me. I mean, I'm the hippie coach. I mean, everybody knows me, and I doubt anybody has any question. And I've been approached by numerous people, and I have the conversation with them. The stigma, as you call it, is breaking down even in even in corporate worlds. I I've been inviting friends and bringing friends from the corporate world to these settings. Nice. You are, and it, it, it's not. I mean, trauma is within everybody. It doesn't matter where we come from. You know these yeah. circles. I'm just so amazed when we get around these circles, and I see people from everywhere, different states are coming in, different countries are even coming in. It's just phenomenal. We all get together to heal like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic of you. Um, so what else? I think I think that's. Uh, I think we're getting to the end of this. Is there anything else you want to share? Do you want to tell us about your? your uh, podcast, your practice, what you're up to these days, or, or anything else about uh, medicinal journeys?
1: Well, I'll just touch a little bit since you bring up the podcast. I, yeah. It's called Heyoka Coach. H-E-Y-O-K-A Coach. You can find me on the socials just by searching that.
0: I'll put and a link we, to it too.
1: Okay, thank you. I started this podcast because it's kind of what I've been talking about throughout the show here with Stuart is all of those journeys that I've been taking since I've been 14, I've been doing them alone. I had zero people able to help me. So, mm. And I'm not talking about the medicinal aspect. I'm talking about the mental transform- transformative aspect of it and, and what it's like to go through an awakening and all that. So I started a podcast to just kind of reach out and tell people the experiences I went through to see if I can help them on
0: their journey. So nice. That's what that's about. So yeah, that's awesome. Everybody up. make sure you go, go give that a listen. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah. All right, Michael. Will that that's it. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and, and sh- sharing these amazing uh, stories and the transformations, uh, everything you've experienced and giving great advice on this. So yeah, I'm really grateful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stuart. That concludes this edition of the Stoned Ape Reports. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Stoned Ape Comedy and subscribe to our newsletter at www.stonedapecomedy.com. Again, thanks for listening and catch you next time, Stone apes.